What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 83 of the Lynch with Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we are created to be in the space and place that God has put us. Well, I don't know about you, but if you cut on the news, if you read the paper, if you look at Twitter, you look at Facebook, it's a lot of negative, man. It is a lot of negative. And I'm a pretty positive guy. And even that old negative, that old negative rope can rope can get around you sometimes and pull on you and yank on you. And we need some positivity, don't we? I know in the 1980s and 1990s, there was a gentleman who held that mantle for business leaders across the country named Zig Ziglar. And Zig did a phenomenal job helping see you at the top, just helping you understand that uh, you could make something. You could make lemonade out of lemons. Well, today that mantle has been passed to John Gordon. John burst on the scene with his book, Energy Bus, became a fixture among NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NCAA teams, speaks to businesses all over the country, motivates, inspires his book, The Training Camp, the carpenter, the seed. I mean, it just you, you you could go on and on and on with all the books. Last year, he came out with the incredible coffee bean story with Damon West. But his newest book is different. His newest book is called The Garden. It's a spiritual fable. And it's really a story of John's journey and the lessons that God is teaching him and the things that he's learning in his life. And it was my honor to be able to sit down with John already this weekend. It's already risen to number one on the Wall Street Journal's bestseller list. And I'm not surprised a bit. God's got his hand on John Gordon. He's given him a platform to share his faith. And man, he's going to use it in a big way. So I am so excited for you to get to listen in. Let me, let me tell you this about John Gordon. He lives what he speaks. And he's been a friend, he has been an encourager, and he's a guy who's out there getting it done. So I want you to get out a pen or pencil. I want you to hit pause and order your copy of The Garden. If you're a leader, man, order it for everybody in your office because it is a great, great book. And I want you to take some good notes today because there's some good stuff to come. In my conversation with a good friend, phenomenal leader, Christ follower, Mr. John Gordon. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you, fella. Mike, great to be with you. You're one, you're one of my favorites. And anytime your stuff comes out, I run, run to get it. I love being on a launch team to get a little advance of it. So, Tell me this, you've, you've lived a crazy new season. We talked about this a little bit before we went on the air. It, you've gone from being a road warrior to being 
at home, how has this new season, how's it been for you as a leader and as a, as a positive guy? How has this season been on you? You know, it has been interesting and you've had to adapt and just get used to being at home a lot. I asked my wife on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like to be married to me? And she said, <laughs> pre-COVID or now? <laughs> and so I think maybe I'm spending too much time at home now, but there's nothing I can do about that. It's so, so funny. Like, my wife's quality time is her love language, and I think I've exceeded. And so she's <laughs> gone, you know, I think you need to, I think you need to get on ball field or something. You're right, right. I think she's like, I think we're good for the next couple of years. <laughs> that is so good. Well, I love your new book, man. The garden has just hit, and people are able to get their copies now. You've always lived in this positive leadership category. You know, Mr. Positive, you, you wrote great, you've written great stuff on leadership. Do you think this book, The Garden, is more of a spiritual fable? Do you think it's going to catch people off guard? I think so a little bit, but it's why I wrote a warning in the beginning of the book. I wanted people to know this is different than my other books because I'm known as a leadership speaker. I work with a lot of companies and sports teams and school districts. And so I wanted people to understand that this is a spiritual fable. This is rooted in my faith tradition. This is not a regular story. This is a story of faith. This is a story that takes us back to the Garden of Eden to understand what happened to Adam and Eve. This is a story that really brings Jesus to life and shares how Jesus impacts lives and souls and hearts and how Jesus impacted my life. In many ways, this is a little bit of a story of, of me. I'm both part Mr. Irwin as well as Irwin McManus is. He's sort of a combination of Irwin McManus and me. And these two teenagers who are twins are, are part of me as well. And so for me, I just had to tell the story. I had to write it. It's something that came to me. And I knew God wanted me to share it. But when you think about these five D's that they, that they have to overcome and that we all have to overcome, they are leadership focused. They are yep. team focused because these are the five D's that will hurt any individual, any team, any country. So as a leader, you have to understand the D's that you're up against in order to win the battle. We have doubt. We have distortion of eyes. We have discouragement. Are people going to get discouraged? Our citizens get discouraged. Our team gets discouraged. Our congregation gets discouraged. We have to address that. We have to address the lies that are always filling people's minds with fear and doubt and hopelessness that so many people are struggling with today. We have to understand that it's a battle. So as a leader, you got to take on the battle. As a team, you got to take on the battle. Distractions, they hurt you individually. They also hurt a team collectively. So distractions are the enemy of greatness. We have to overcome them. And then division. Division is what obviously divides a team. It weakens a team. It destroys a team. It destroys a marriage. And so you have to understand these five Ds if you're leading a team because now you can be on guard against these five Ds in order to win the battle. So be ready for them. Be on guard. Know what you're dealing with and then have a game plan to overcome. So if you're a leader who's leading a team, be on guard for the five Ds that will sabotage your team. If you're a husband and wife and you're, you're married, be on guard for the five Ds that could destroy your marriage. If you're an individual, be wary of the five Ds that can destroy your soul and your connection and relationship with God. So you have to be ready at all levels, and I think this helps people understand. I gave this to a, to a coach to read, and actually told him the five Ds before even the book was, was written and went over the five Ds with him. And he's not a believer, but he said right away, I'm taking these Ds home. I'm going to use them. I'm using them with my wife right now. Yeah. 
because they are truth. And these are God's truth. Came to me at a walk one day in Chicago, speaking to a big business, bunch of leaders, literally walking, boom, got the five Ds came to me. And I knew I needed to write this book and help others with the message. You know, why is it so, and you go back to the garden, which I thought was so good. Why is it so important that, that we understand that there is evil and there is a game plan working against us? You know, God has our best in mind, which is the positive piece of it, but there is an enemy and he's working against us. Why is it so important for somebody to get that and understand that? Because you have to understand that evil exists and that your negative thoughts are not coming from you. The enemy is known as the father of lies. And he's always filling our minds with, with fear and doubts and negative thoughts that discourage us, that hold us back, that let us know that the future is hopeless, that we're not going to make it, that we're not good enough, that we don't have what it takes. And so these lies are always coming in. You have to understand they're not coming from you because if you do think they're coming from you, you will get depressed. You will get discouraged. Mm. You will beat yourself up. You will feel shame. I had a 27-year-old who I taught this to, and he finally understood his negative thoughts were not coming from him. It was so freeing, he started to cry because he had always beaten himself up for these thoughts he was having. And now he realized that he would never choose to have a negative thought. This is how you know they're not coming from us. Who would ever choose to have a negative thought? You would never choose one. And so I don't know quite how it works, but the way I think how it works is we have thoughts existing consciousness in a spiritual place. And that's like the internet cloud. And then we have our brain, which is the hardware. And we're always downloading thoughts from the internet cloud into our hardware. It's where activation occurs. And the enemy works in the airwaves, right? In the airwaves of communication and the airwaves of thought. And so these thoughts are always coming in. It's like when you're dreaming and having a nightmare, do you choose your thoughts? No. And so you're not choosing these thoughts. The enemy is often filling our mind with these negative thoughts that you would never choose yourself. So you have to be aware that these negative thoughts are coming in, that you would never choose them, that there is an enemy trying to sabotage you with these thoughts, and it comes from evil that wants to keep you and separate you from the Father, from mm. God. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. It explains it so much that when we look to that story, we can understand what's happening in our everyday life. So you look to that story, you see what happened with them. And once you understand that the serpent was deceiving Eve, deceiving Adam and how he did it, you can see how that plays out in our life every day. So it's not just a story about them, as I wrote in the book, it's a story about us. And so once you understand it's a battle of good versus evil, now those evil thoughts come in, those negative thoughts come in, it's not from me. I understand how the battle is being waged. I am in a battle. And you have to know you're in a battle in order to win it. So many are losing the battle because they have no idea they're in one. They think they're in a playground. Meanwhile, they have to realize they're in a battleground. And once you realize you're in a battle, okay, I know how the game plan is played. I know how the enemy's coming at me. As a coach would understand the, the, the opposing team and what their plan is, now you can counter it with God's plan. So once you understand the enemy's plan and you know God's plan, now you can prepare and armor yourself to win the battle. And that's why I wrote this book. I needed to give people the game plan. God wanted, well, God wanted me to give people the game plan. In such a simple story, powerful story that you can read in a couple hours, you will now understand how the battle is being waged, how to win the battle, 
And if you can remember this each day, you will, ha- you will be equipped with what you need to succeed and to win. And that's what God wants for us. God wants us to succeed. He gave us the game plan. He gave us Jesus to help us win the battle, not even to help us, to actually win the battle for us. And once you understand that and know that, that's why I think this lesson is so important. Yeah, you what I loved you. You said something at the beginning too, John. You said, "I'm not only I'm I'm part Mr. Irwin and I'm part J and K. This 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 these two kids that wander into this guy's yard. He's a neighbor and he's a friend. And as you develop the fable, when you talked about doubt, and I love that you said you're a little bit of both of those because I think there's a world image of John Gordon of. I bet he never has doubts. And I bet John is so positive. He wakes up in the morning and there's rainbows always outside his door and, and everything, every speaking engagement is his best one. And every time he speaks to a team was his best one and everybody loves him. But I have a feeling that's probably not true. I think I know you well enough to know that's not true. How is the enemy even doing what you do tried to get into your mind with doubt? How has that worked for you? He comes in all the time. Are you kidding me? It's a battle we all face. Everyone faces the battle. I'm sure LeBron James faces the battle before a game. I know some of the best players in the world in various sports. They all deal with this. I've had conversations about this. I shared with them the five Ds before I even wrote this book. It resonated resonated with them so much. I can tell you this. A couple years ago, I would get on stage no one even knows this. I never shared this before, but I'd get on stage and the strangest things started happening. I started having like this anxiety attack. Like my legs would, would go numb and I couldn't feel my legs and I felt like I was going to pass out. I felt like I was going to faint. It was like the weirdest thing. I never chose that. It was just happening. It was the weirdest feeling ever. And you're on stage and all these people are watching you, thousands of people. And you're thinking in your mind, like I might faint right now. I might pass out. That happened like, for a year, mm. I had a battle with that. And I would somehow, with God's grace, with God's strength, get through it. But it happened like every time I got on stage for like a year. And man, it was really uncomfortable. It was tough. It was a spiritual battle. I knew it was a battle. But you know what the, the amazing thing was? People received the talk so positively. I gave like the best talks I think I've ever given because I was so reliant on God mm. instead of mm. myself but I had to go through the battle. So if people think like, hey, your life is perfect and you never have to deal with this. No, there was a year that it was happening to me. Man, it was the weirdest feeling, the strangest time. I'd come home and tell my wife, it happened again. Like, what is going on? And I I know it wasn't like, it wasn't like an anxiety attack. It was like a little full-blown spiritual attack that was happening. And even to this day, you know, when before you give a talk, you wonder, do I have it today? Yep. Am I going to say the right words? Am I going to make a difference? Are they going to receive it? Are they going to think your, your, your past work is, is, uh, is the best work you've done? That your best days are behind you? And so I think we all struggle with that. Mm. And I've had to overcome writer's block in the past by just saying, you know what? Love the reader. Love writing. Love the opportunity to create this. And when you love it, you won't fear it. And so for me, the way I overcome that is by focusing on the love to remember, I'm going to die one day. Just not worry about it. Just, 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 just give it all I got. And ultimately, to just trust in God, and know that I'm here to do it for Him, and it's an audience of one. And I really need to focus more on what He thinks, and living with purpose and passion. And the minute I'm focusing 
on what other people think of me or myself, I know those are the enemy's thoughts mm. trying to create doubt and division. I am feeling separate from God. You see, the minute you are separate from God, there's that space between man and God where evil exists. I wrote that in the book, right? So yep. evil is the absence of God. That's what Erwin McManus said to me. Evil is the absence of God. And then it occurred to me, oh, if evil is the absence of God, in the space between man and God, evil exists. And so when we are one with God and united with God, and we experience that oneness through Jesus, there are those moments that we are fully, fully connected. But more often than not, we're not fully connected. There's always like a little yep. space. Sometimes there's a big gap, and other times there's just little space. And it's in that space where the enemy can work and, and move in. And it's in those moments where you need to unite back to God and connect and trust and pray. And in those moments, right, and to remember who's in control and where your power comes from, where your, where your strength comes from. When you, I, I find for me, when I surrender, yep. more I just surrender to God, truly surrender, that's when he moves in. That's when I feel united. That's where I feel one. It's like almost like an iceberg in the middle of a, in the middle of a, in, in water, like in a, in a huge sea, right? So I'm this iceberg and I'm, I'm in the water, but I'm separate from the water. But then when I surrender, that iceberg melts. And then the iceberg becomes one with God from the melting. It becomes part of it. I become one with God when I become part of him, when I surrender to him. I don't know if you, that visual makes sense yep. to you at all, yep. but, but, but for me, that's what it is. So, so in that space, evil is always going to come in. Mm. You know, in the, in the greater God wants to use you, the more you're going to have to face, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, great teams aren't game planning for the guy who never leaves the bench. They're only game planning for the guys that are on the field. And God, you know, the more God begins to use you and as your platform is increased, I have a feeling all of these Ds, the pressure of these Ds has increased in your life as well. You know, when you were a, a no-name guy living in Jacksonville, oh, well, you know, I'm not worried about John, but now God's using you in different ways and in great ways. And you work with so many people and so many great leaders. How do you see, and I, and I love the two Ds, distort and discourage. What are ways you see believers, especially those in business and the coaching world, how do you see the enemy distorting and discouraging things for these people that are trying to do good, but yet they they stay uh, in this non-used place because they're they're discouraged. They're just afraid. Have you seen the enemy working against folks as you've traveled around? Well, the enemy knows he can't beat you himself. So what does he do? He gets you to beat yourself. Yep. And so with those distortion and those lies, we then start to believe those lies. So mm -hmm. in the business world, we believe the lie that we need to be successful to be recognized, to be powerful. We need to make a lot of money to be powerful, to be strong. We identify with our success. So our identity is tied to our success. So that's probably the biggest lie yep. for leaders and for business people is they get tied in, to the identity of their success and their performance. Same thing with athletes and professional, professional superstars, right? They get tied to their performance. Their identity is, to, is tied to what other people think of them. So if they don't perform well, they're bad. If they perform well, they're good. And so they're tied to their performance. So I think the biggest thing to understand is you are not your performance. Mm. You are not your success. 
You are a child of God and you are here to serve him and serve others. You're here to invest in the root, not focus on the fruit. And if we invest in the root, we will produce great fruit, but only by allowing God to do his work, right? We work the land, we allow him to produce the harvest. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of it. So so for me, it's, it's understanding that principle and understand how that plays out. And you can see leaders who are struggling with that. Those who are fear-based leaders are basically doing so because they feel separate from God. And because of that fear, they then try to fill themselves up with power and success. And now I need to lead my team that way. And I need you to do this kind of work so I can be successful, so I can feel good. And it's all fear-based instead of love-based. So you can see how when you have constraints and you have issues and challenges and wounds that you have not healed, then what happens is you get attacked in the place of those wounds. The enemy knows where you're Mm -hmm. weakest. He knows your insecurities. He knows where you struggle. And so he will fill your mind with these doubts that amplify the fears that you have. And you have to understand that's what's happening. And that's where you need God even more. And that's where you meet a guy like Tony Dungy, who truly has done it the right way because he's leading God's way. And he's leading with God right? Not separate from God. And I think that's a big part of it. On my own, I'm fearful. With God, I am faithful. Mm. And I know that my faith in God doesn't make me, it doesn't make life easier. It makes me stronger. And I think that's the key to understand is like, you know, it's okay to say I'm weak alone. On my own, I can't do this. I need a great team to be successful. I need God to give me strength. That's where you find a greater source of strength to lead in a positive way. And I think so often we're trying to do it on our own. See, if God's not filling you up, what happens is you now try to fill up with all these artificial sources. And that's where distractions come in. We get distracted by all the bright, shiny things that seem appealing. Yep. So we try to fill up with those things only to feel more and more empty when really what your soul wants is to be filled up by God. And the more you fill up with God, you don't need anything to fill you up. How do you do that? How do it? So as a busy guy traveling, when pre-COVID and post-COVID, you'll be traveling and you're on Zoom. Now you're on Zoom calls probably 90% of your day and still still moving and working just in a different way. How do you stay encouraged in God's word? How do you do it as a leader for you personally? Because everybody's got a different way of doing it. What is it you do to reconnect with God every day? How do you do it's, that? It's reading devotionals each morning. Rich Wilkerson sends out a nice devotional, a soap one. I read it every morning on my phone. Clint Hurdle sends out things, and I, I read that. John Elridge, I read this great book called Restoration, and it's a it's a daily devotional. Incredible words. I'll do that. For me, it's walking, practicing gratitude, and praying is key for me. And then just just surrendering. You know, really, when I just surrender to God and give it all to him, that's when I feel the most at peace. And so we could forget that. And sometimes yeah. we get busy and sometimes we are not investing in the root. And sometimes we get caught up in the busyness and the distractions and everything we have to do. We have to remember to stop and recharge and refuel to really tap into our greatest power source, our greatest strength. And a lot of times we forget that. So I think it's important that we do do that. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm at my best when I am surrendering trusting and praying and I'm at my worst when I'm trying to do it on my own. And that's the great metaphor of the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil is doing it, doing it my way on my own. The tree of life was there as well in the garden and that's abiding in God. 
trusting in God, relying on him for all of your needs. And so we have that choice between the tree of life and the other tree. What will you choose each day? Make the right choice. Choose the tree of life. Choose God. That's what gives you your greater strength, peace, and joy, and love to be able to take on this life. So as you develop the four, the five Ds in there, they're so good. And like you said, they're applicable to everything. They're applicable to sports, business. Which of those Ds do you say you've had the most struggle to overcome out of all of those for you? Definitely, I would say doubt. But it was because of the distortions that led to the doubt. And so I would just have doubts about myself, doubts about God before I became a believer, right? Think about it. The enemy is so good at creating doubt that he's convinced millions of people that God doesn't even exist. That's right. And so we see this incredible world. We see this incredible universe, this incredible planet. We see the life we have. And you think it is all by accident. How do people actually believe it's by accident when you see everything? And yet the enemy is so good at convincing people it's not even real. So I would say for me, it's been doubt. But then we know that all of these Ds lead to the ultimate thing of division. That's right. And I would say for me, anxiety was something I had in the past where I was very anxious. And the word anxious literally means divided. Yeah. And so when you are anxious, you feel divided. You feel separate from God. So for me, that's what I struggle with the most. But when I gave my life to Jesus and I accepted him as my savior when I was 35 years old, that's when everything changed for me. That's when I started to win the battle of my mind. For years, I lost the battle and my life stunk. My life was horrible. My life was falling apart. I wasn't living up to, to the dreams I had, the potential I had, what I truly wanted out of this world. And I was failing miserably. And once I gave my life to God, I surrendered to God and I accepted Jesus. That's when everything began to change. That's when I was reconciled back to God. And that's when you find that oneness, right? And now there's an intimate walk, an intimate relationship where you're relying on him, you're trusting in him, and then he's giving you these ideas and this wisdom to share. I got a lot smarter over the years when I gave my life to God. <laughs> and and it's and the, 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 the smartness is not from me. That's the thing. Right. Like I was with Erwin McManus, you know, about a year ago and sharing some things. And he's like, man, you weren't thinking these things a few years ago. And I go, I know, isn't it amazing? And, and even like to write this book, right? The wisdom that comes in. And it's not me, trust me, I'm not that smart. So, so I really know it's that. Now, I don't want people to think, okay, well, you, know, you give your life to God, everything works out, you write best-selling books. No, what you will do is live up to the calling that he has for you. That's right. When you give your life to God, you will, you will find your purpose. You will understand his purpose for you. And the more you surrender and are open to that with childlike faith, the more he will use you for his purpose, to live your purpose. And they will become one and the same. And there'll be so much power in doing that. And your purpose may not be doing what I'm doing. This is my purpose. I, am, I have stepped into my calling. I know it. But only through surrender and trust have I found it. So I can promise you when you give your life to God, as I said, it won't make life easier. It will make you stronger and it will make you more, more open to the possibilities he has for your life. And through a greater relationship with him, you will start to understand that greater purpose he has for you. And he will reveal it to you. He will start speaking to you in an intimate way. And once you have that going on, then you will start to fulfill the destiny that he has for you. And that can only be done in a relationship with him. And that's why I think this book is so important, right? Because as you go through the story, these two teens ultimately 
I don't want to give the book away, but they ultimately will realize that they have to give their lives to God to be all that they're meant to be, to truly win the battle. And that's what I know for sure. Like you can't win the battle. You can't win a spiritual battle with man-made strategies. You've got to win the spiritual battle with the ultimate spiritual strength. You got to win it with God and you can't do it alone. And once you surrender and give your life to him, now through Jesus, who has already won the battle for you, you now have the source and the power to win it each day. And now you're not doing it alone. So trying to do it otherwise is like trying to fight Goliath without a slingshot. That's right. That's right. And what I love in the book, John, you did such a great job of it's so easy to nail. Okay, here's what the problems are. But you did a really good job through Mr. Irwin tying in the what's in the toolbox. So when you're facing discouragement, here's something to do. When you're facing doubt, here's something to do. And you, you talked about the coin. That was so good about that visual of here are things I could do to overcome it. So here's an interesting thing. If I had asked you 15 years ago, would you rather be known for speaking to the largest audiences in the world or writing a book that helped one person find their way home? You know, you're, your heart's probably changed a lot through the years. Oh, totally. But what's the, big, know, what's the biggest thing you want to see God do with this? Here's book? the coin, by the way. It's pretty cool that we oh, you know, I love the coin. Yeah. The five D's and the ways to overcome the five D's. But for me, no doubt, I wrote this book knowing that I could be risking, you know, everything from a business standpoint that I was going in a whole new direction. And so I wrote this book knowing that I have to be obedient to God, That's that good. this is why I'm here, that I have to take a stand for him, that everything I have is because of him. And so I can't turn my back now. If he has called me to write this book, I've got to write this book. So I was willing to put this out there because if it does reach one soul, mm-hmm. if it does impact one people, one person and lead them to Jesus, then I have fulfilled my mission. Now I think it's going to, for some reason, I think it's going to reach a lot of people. And too. I've been told by several pastors who have read it, so that they believe that this is going to reach millions. And if it does, then that's God's plan. And I'm just a conduit and a vehicle for him to do that. So if I never gave a corporate talk again, and this was what God wants me to do, this is what I'll do. Mm. And so basically I'll allow him to use me as he wants me and wants me to, whatever he wants me to do, I will do. And so I will do whatever he wants me to do and I will continue to live the mission. Now, is it still to speak to leaders? I believe so. Is it still to work with teams? I believe so because I know what makes great teams great. I know what makes great leaders great. And you can stay at the superficial level, but if you really want to make a great team, then you want to bring someone who knows what makes great teams and what makes great leaders and help lead them in a positive way. And we're all always going to need that. My faith drives me. Yeah. Right? I'm not, I don't have to share my faith at every talk I give. It drives me to do what I do. You don't have to share the same faith as me for me to love and value you. I will love and value you no matter what you believe. I know what I'm here to do because of my faith. And so my faith is going to drive me to make that impact. And as long as I'm doing that, I'll let God do the rest. Why do you think, why do you think a person understanding who God created them to be will turn them loose to be a better leader than they could have ever been otherwise? That's a great question. Because you're not going to be leading in fear. You're not going to be leading with fear. You're not going to be leading with a focus on necessarily sacrificing, or I should say satisfying your ego. 
you will basically be leading with love and with passion. You have a freedom, a, a true freedom to pursue what God wants you to pursue and to lead others in a more positive and powerful way. And so by understanding why you are here, that purpose will drive you with greater commitment and greater drive. We don't get burned out because of what we do. Right. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. So when you know your why, you will know the way. Hmm. And then you will let obstacles get in the way. And so you'll have a greater courage to move forward. And it's that courage we need today to take on all of the challenges. The other way, fear, hopelessness, discouragement will affect you as a leader. And so as a, as a positive leader, one who leads with God, you will have a vision for where you're going. You will have the optimism to keep moving forward. You have the grit to keep driving and not give up. And you have the relationship ability to cultivate incredible relationships with your team, to help them follow you, to lead them in a positive way, to get them to to be engaged and perform at their highest level. And in doing that, you'll be a better leader for your team. So, so I think all these kind of, all these kind of, of understandings, when you go to a deeper level of who you are and the essence of who you are, that allows you to lead in a more powerful way, not a superficial way, a powerful way. And you're leading from the spirit. The spirit is where things are most powerful. We know that everything that is spiritual creates the physical. Energy creates physical. And so energy comes first. So it's the energy that you have, it's the spirit you have that actually leads to physical outcomes. So understanding that you lead from the inside out, that the power is on the inside is really where your greatest strength comes from. I hope you enjoyed that time with John. Holy smokes. Good, good stuff, man. I am so proud of him. You know, you, you are taking a risk. You, you let your faith out there with a lot of people that may not agree. But I'm telling you, the world is hungry to hear that story. And those Ds, those five Ds, everybody lives them. Doubt, discouragement, that disillusionment. Man, it, 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 it hits all of us. Thank you, John, for sharing your story in this incredible story, because I know this, we're all going to be better for it. Man, make sure you get your copy of this. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please go leave a rating or review on iTunes. It does help us climb the charts and help other people that are not normal listeners listen in. And this summer, man, we've had some hits, haven't we? Damon West, Chris Singleton, Derwin Gray, Phyllis Hendry Halverson, John Gordon, well, I mean, what do you do with that? Oh, Jason Romano. Jason Romano will be sharing in our next episode on the uniform of the leadership, his brand new book. I can't wait for you to hear that conversation. We recorded it a few weeks ago, and I think you are going to love it. Thanks again for tuning in today, and go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 